0: Hey guys, Mazzodcast is now on Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our Patreon page and get extra content from the guys, outtakes from the show, and any insider news that we have, we provide it there first. It doesn't cost much and your support helps the show. Join the Mazzodcast Patreon and be part of the team. Here are our secrets. Going to throw Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. They are up this LSU defense. It don't get no better than that, man. He's lined up to short Middle, Beatty with the catch, and he's going to jet his way into the end zone. Missouri touchdown. Hand off to Roundtree running left, it's 35 to the 40, left sideline around the middle.
1: This is the Mizzoucast.
0: Howdy, Tiger fans! Welcome to the Mizzoucast. I'm your host Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is uh, my longtime brother Colin Anthony.
1: What's up, dum Dum?
0: And we have some big news. I mean, this is as big as it gets, I guess, in the middle of August as far as a football athletics show goes. But before we get into all that, Colin, you want to talk a little bit about uh, a party we're planning for this football season? I do like parties. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. My and we're doing God, something I like to party. We're doing something that we've never done before. We have had live shows, uh, in Saint Louis and in Columbia, but what we've never done, not related to a show, is thrown a party, been at the football game, had a cast official tailgate, and that is what we're here to announce tonight is the cast tailgate extravaganza.
1: Yeah. It's gonna be balls.
0: It's gonna be balls hot. We've got well, it is gonna be something. it's it's Obviously a tailgate, but we're going to have more than that, right? We've got a band, <laughs> we've got a—that's we a, right. Mike Steele has—he's uh, got a band, and he's going to uh, be at the tailgate performing. We've got for what photo opportunities? We've got the fine bot. We've got swag. We've got uh, yeah. I think we'll have a little Mazadcast merch and stuff around. There's going to be all kinds of shit on top of just booze. Yeah, and, uh, lots of booze. And it's all predicated on us beating Tennessee which is pretty easy to do we do that a lot
1: yeah sure lots of people do it
0: <laughs> so we're excited to do this because Tennessee's the worst and nothing will be sweeter than being at the game with all the Mazzotcast people and uh watching Tennessee go down and heckling Tennessee fans
1: yeah we shouldn't be hard to find we're gonna have live music we'll have a Mazzotcast banner up I think Brennan and me are working on getting a Mazodcast banner made mm-hmm. maybe we should get a flag made can we do that like you can literally put up a flag and people can see it. We're in we're in parking lot in, as mm-hmm. far as we know. So
0: that's right. At this time, we've secured a spot in parking lot in. We'll give you the exact locale when we know it. It's going to be great, and uh, we look forward to meeting some of you. I have a few surprises, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a ball. So, with that being said, Colin, let's get into the news that people actually give a shit about. We have a new athletic director. Mizzou has hired now help me with the pronunciation Colin. you're the guy who pronounces everything right uh, yeah yeah right desiree reed francois or francis
1: francois is what i like
0: <laughs> well i haven't heard it said i've only been reading about her so far she uh, comes to us from unlb where she was athletic director and will be the first woman athletic director in mizzou's history and i think the second only in sec history
1: i i who knows <laughs> who these people are you know what i mean like I uh, I saw a lot of pushback on her initially on Twitter, but I think a lot of that is just because she happens to be a woman, and that uh, there's there's just some deep seated misogyny that you know makes people initially skeptical. But I didn't know who the fuck Jim Stirk was, and they hired him. I didn't know who Mac Rhodes was. You know what I mean? So you know, I ADs to me because I don't follow them like a football team. I have no opinion, and really, as far as ADs are concerned, I. I get, my, my opinion is formed by what they do while they're here. And so, um, you know, I like Jim Sterk all right. I thought he'd fundraised it well and we'd had some, some success with him at the helm. I, I, I think I especially had liked Sterk because he came in at such a tumultuous time. I felt like he really did sort of steady things, but you know, it's become pretty apparent now, um, that Jim Sterk was sort of forced out. He, they basically said, uh, thanks, but, uh, we're, we're moving on. And, um, so I, I don't, you know, there's been a lot of speculation, that had to do with, um, you know, that that the basically the hiring the football coach, among some other things. But, um, you know, I'm I'm going to leave my uh, judgments up to uh, what she does as an athletic director. I've, you know, just what I've read and what I've heard is, I mean, the the biggest feather in her cap seems to be she was she's a fundraiser. She knows how to she knows how to bring in the dollar bills. But I, I thought Stark did a pretty good job of that too. So, I guess we'll find out. I mean, ultimately, in the, the day. Um She's probably gonna get to hire a basketball coach uh, at some point, though. Conzo um, Martin's fucking contract is still a goddamn albatross. But, uh, <laughs> which I mean, you know, if rumors are to be believed, Conzo Martin's contract is one of the reasons people were not high on. Were, another reason Stirk was kind of uh, in the doghouse. But at the time when we hired Conzo, you were gonna have to pay a fucking king's ransom to anybody to come. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you can hang that on him too hard, but. Um, you know, like I said, I'll reserve my judgments for when she, you know, starts showing some result or lack thereof.
0: Yeah, well, and when you're athletic director, you're going to get it from every side. I mean, there are people, like I said, uh, who complain that uh, that maybe Council Martin's salary was too high, and then there are people who say that they doesn't spend enough on basketball. So no matter what uh, you do, uh, that, kind, you, you know. can
1: see how these narratives form you know like especially like in our everyday lives with politics and stuff people start regurgitating shit that they hear on their whatever their preferred uh news channel is and they pass it off as their own idea that is the pushback on konzo martin now has all just been completely now changed the narrative has changed to like mizzou just hasn't invested in basketball our facilities are not what it takes we are not you know the, the failings are you know the university and not the coach. And it's just, they, those people that are console lovers have found a narrative that they can push from Rock M Nation. And like I said, I don't want to bag on Rock M Nation too hard, but that whole narrative that Sam Snelling had is like that somehow Mizzou is not, you know, putting the dollars, bills into basketball. I mean, listen, I've, I've been as hard on Mizzou about, as anybody about not investing in the football and basketball programs as much as they probably could. But I don't feel that way now. They're paying Conzo Martin a shit ton of money. And they have nice facilities. And maybe they can have nicer facilities, but it's hardly a reason that they're not winning.
0: No, I mean, ultimately what that argument comes down to, Colin, is paying assistant coaches more. And, I mean, if if you're saying that the reason we haven't had success is that we don't have highly enough paid assistant coaches, that's a pretty thin narrative.
1: And that's what I mean. I just – I'm getting so frustrated now when I'm – anytime – of course, basketball is not in the forefront right now. But anytime I see basketball – uh, come up on Twitter with the, on any of these Mizzou uh, uh, pages, it, the timeline is just full of this same regurgitated horseshit that somehow the university is not investing in Konzo Martin, and that is why Conzo Martin is not winning. And If we would just shit a bunch of gold to blooms on the basketball program, suddenly they'd be wildly successful. And I'm just like, give me a fucking break. And maybe this athletic director, she'll come in and go, you know, we aren't giving basketball its due, but... and neither do you.
0: Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu
1: slash podcast. As you said, that narrative is extremely thin.
0: Well, I think ultimately what she is going to be judged on, in the, at least in the near term, is how she navigates the waters of the SEC expansion with Texas and Oklahoma coming on board and how Mizzou fares as far as landing a spot in a division or a pod or whatever they end up calling it. You know, We've been fucked over by conferences before, and I think that she was hired specifically
1: in the near term
0: to make sure we did not get fucked this time around.
1: Well, and unfortunately for Mizzou, we are in the fuck seat and it's not it's not necessarily because the SEC doesn't like us or anybody doesn't like us we're just we are not a preeminent team in our own conference we weren't a preeminent team in the Big 12 you know what I mean so that's not a 99% of teams are not preeminent you know what I mean so I hope she does a good job of representing this I hope she does a fantastic job but at the end of the day one of your arguments against Mizzou being having any fault with this alignment 10 years ago is that Mizzou's just not a team that the world aligns for you know we don't have we don't wield that sort of, of power, and so um, no athletic director is going to bring that to us. The only person that can bring that sort of uh, power to us is Eli Drinkwitz, and I don't expect him to. And that's not saying that Eli Drinkwitz won't have a bunch of success, but you have to have a bunch of sustained success to wield that sort of power. You know what I mean? Yeah. People people care what Nick Saban and Alabama feel. About what the conference is doing, they don't care what Mizzou thinks. They don't care what Texas A&M thinks, and uh, they don't care what basically probably twelve of the fourteen teams think or sixteen now. But and she's not going to be able to change that. And uh, the only the only thing that changes that is sustained winning, you know, national championships change that. And so I hope it changes for us, but it's not going to come with a new athletic director. But no,
0: but it does. I mean, there are things that can not be done. I mean, obviously, when we were in the, you know, in the Big 12, and we were leaving the Big 12, part of the reason we left was that the the focus was so heavily on one or two teams that it was at the detriment of everybody else. And I think one of the things we've liked about the SEC to this point has been that when Alabama succeeds, when LSU wins a national championship, when Auburn wins a national championship, we all share the wealth. You know what I mean? Like Vanderbilt, Kentucky, they benefit when Alabama wins a national title.
1: That's right. There's more equity in the SEC.
0: And we didn't have that in the Big 12. And so I think – us as a fan base is probably even more antsy about you know not being cared catered to, or anybody giving a shit about us, or you know fucking us over because we've been through the Big Twelve ringer before. We've dealt with Texas and Oklahoma before. We know how we end up in that. So you know more but than I'm, another fan base in the SEC. We probably are rightfully worried.
1: I, you know if if they put up a statue of fucking Gary Pinkle, uh, at the stadium, they'll put up a statue of Mike Alden right next to him.
0: Because, oh, that's a controversial statement.
1: <laughs> well, and I'll tell you why, Brennan, because the reason we are in the position we are in right now is because of him going to the SEC. You know what I mean? And he was he was club for it. Mizzou's not going to compete. It's a money grab. Terrible. terrible we a better terrible fit job. in the Big Ten. Oh boy, it was all these reasons. And you know what? For to, for Mike Alden's many faults, the biggest decision he got right was this one. Imagine right now if we were, this conversation was at, what, what are we gonna do? What what's Mizzou and Kansas State and Kansas and Iowa State? What are we all gonna do? We don't have to have that conversation because we've been in the fucking most preeminent football conference in America now for nearly a decade. We don't have to worry about any of this shit. We just get to make more and more money as we add more and more blue chip programs. And fuck it, I'm not scared of Texas or Oklahoma. Listen, Lord knows Oklahoma's had their way with Mizzou, but Nothing beats beating Oklahoma, and goddamn it, we've done it before, and we can do it again.
0: The time we've been in here, we've had to play LSU, Alabama, and Auburn. So, like, why is this so much worse?
1: Yeah, this is what I'm saying. In hindsight, the decision to go to the Big tw- or the SEC was a wonderful decision, and that was, and we were led to that decision through my, by Mike Alden. So, anytime you talk about a person in a leadership role, it's so much easier to judge that person and the job that they did. You know, a few years removed with a little more perspective, I suppose, and. I just think Mizzou's move to the uh, the SEC now looks like a very, very good move. And uh, um, I think it's part of the reason that you see so much vitriol from people like Doug Gottlieb and people like that. Because he's a, he's a, he's a homer for Oklahoma State. And yeah. anybody involved with the Big 12 knows Mizzou. Sort of scratched off a winning lottery ticket. And it eats him up. And so despite the fact that they want to talk a bunch of shit about Mizzou – what it Colin, why did, down to is just a bunch of sour grapes sour grapes why don't you uh,
0: back up and like the, the, when he's talking about Doug Gottlieb when he's talking about people bitching about Mizzou and the original conference realignment Doug Gottlieb went on the j Boy show as you know um, who we you know we had him on on our last podcast yeah, Jake Crane yeah, Jake Crane from the J-Boy Show. He interviewed Duck Gottlieb, and he talked about conference realignment in Texas and Oklahoma. And he said, you know, he he came at Missouri hard out of nowhere, basically resurrected the same zombified argument that Mizzou had somehow started the ball rolling with conference realignment by seeking out some interest from the Big Ten. Now, this is such a hog shit line of reasoning because the timeline's all fucked up, forgetting that Nebraska and Colorado left before we did and sought out other conferences before we did, and that all the teams that had bitched about Mizzou talking to the Big Ten were also talking to other conferences, you know, so the Kansas specifically. Anyway, so Doug Godley blames Mizzou, says that Mizzou uh, acts like they solved a problem that they created themselves, which is just, you have to be like uh, uh, an opponent of Mizzou yeah, yeah. To, to have well, a of reasoning, it, or it, you it, buy Texas as it, bullshit.
1: It's willful ignorance if it's not straight-up ignorance. You know what I mean? Like like you said, two other teams that already lost the conference, everybody was looking for a new digs. And, Brennan, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if Mizzou was the first person to get the ball rolling, who gives a fuck? Because it was what yeah. was best for Mizzou. It's not true. Let me specify, it's not true. What Doug Gottlieb is saying is complete and utter flaming horseshit. But even if it were true, who gives a fuck? Mizzou's looking out for Mizzou, not for Oklahoma State, not for fucking Kansas. Why would we look out for Kansas? They would never look out for us. You know what I mean? Or Texas, for that matter. I mean, you're talking about a program in Texas that literally will take a steaming shit on anybody there. I mean... And has. Yeah, I mean, like, it, the, the worst part about the SEC letting Texas in is just that how is Texas going to fuck over the SEC? I can't imagine Texas is going to wield enough authority or power to be able to fuck over the SEC, but make no mistake, if they can find a way to fuck over the SEC in one way or another, they will. It's just who yeah. they are. It's like that old fucking uh, parable or whatever about the, the scorpion right on the frog's back across the river, and he fucking halfway across, he stings him, and they both drown he goes, Why would you do that? We're both going to die. He goes, because it's in my nature. And that's what it's in Texas's nature. Texas is going to jam their fist into a fucking 55-gallon drum of lube and jam it straight up your ass if you give them half a chance. And so that is the only problem with this, is that at some point Texas will try to fuck you over if you'll let them. And so good for Mizzou, bully for Mizzou if they did start the ball rolling, which they didn't. But if they did, who gives a fuck? Eat chip Doug Gottlieb.
0: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, that's the message. Eat shit, Doug Gottlieb. Go fuck yourself. He actually finished up his interview with Jake Crane on that show by saying that uh, with this new edition of Texas and Oklahoma, Mizzou would never reach the SEC championship game again. And if there's any sort of, I don't know, something to put a fire in Mizzou fans' bellies, listen to a fucking idiot like Doug Gottlieb say bullshit like that.
1: Anybody that's to the show for very long knows that I listen to a lot of sports talk radio out of Kansas City because of my uh, unhealthy obsession with the Kansas City Chiefs. And they, uh, a couple of those radio shows will have Doug Gottlieb on um, occasionally. And he is, play Travis-level dumb, they're completely on different ends of the political spectrum as far as that goes, but they're both the same guy. You know what I mean? Making sort of like asinine, full of hyperbole statements that are just crazy. And that's who, that's who Doug Gottlieb is. And so... Uh, and he's always been butt hurt because he played for uh, what was that big time coach Oklahoma State that was there for others anyway Eddie, we were Sutton Sutton there you go he played those Norm Stewart days and he, he hates Mizzou from his college days and because he's a petty immature shithead even in his 50s he's still got a fucking axe to grind with Mizzou
0: I think TJ Mo douche of the week for Doug Gottlieb I'd say
1: yeah absolutely douche of the week uh, one thing,
0: Colin, switching gears a little bit, but getting on, I guess, uh, brand with what we are, Mizzou football started its fall camp, or last week, I guess, Monday. People were able to uh, watch the first bit of the first practice, and then Eli Drinkwich took questions, and I think what I found interesting was he was in full football coach mode. Like, he was pissed off. He didn't think the team had enough energy. He thought they were kind of lacking. didn't bring the
1: energy he wanted.
0: Yeah, and of course, we know that he's bringing energy all off-season long, and he's an energetic guy, and he does not like what he sees so far, right. and I like to see that in the coach. You know right. what I mean? like, he's, It's yeah. fun that he's charming, and it's fun that he brings a lot of energy to press conferences and stuff, but at the end of the day, you want a fucking football coach. You don't want a guy that, you know, Barry Odom, we felt like, was kind of their best buddy and maybe not their coach enough. Yeah. And uh, it's good to see him get into fucking football coach mode on day one.
1: No, and I – he does. He brings a level of, of energy and enthusiasm that is, I hope, hopefully, infectious. I mean, Eli Drinkwitz is a guy who would be a tornado on methamphetamines because <laughs> he he seems pretty amped all the time, and I I like it. Um, and what I like about Drinkwitz is, you know, he's a he's kind of a wise ass, and uh, he's good with the press. And you know, if you think about, he he said in one of his interviews at the media days where he talked about asking the commissioner of the sec about horns down mm-hmm. and he said no comment i think to put that in perspective a coach from one of the football teams sees the fucking conference the, the main guy and kind of a little barb there a little poke in the ribs like hey we're we gonna do the horns down." you know what i mean like i just um moxie yeah, it, nobody's too big for Drinkwitz. The moment's not too big. The the commissioner, of the league's not too big. Like he's very self assured. He's very confident. He knows what he's doing.
0: He felt and, very, he uh, looked very comfortable at SEC media days.
1: Yeah, he has. Like, there's not an ounce of of doubt in his mind. And I, um, a lot of football coaches will say a lot of fucking bullshit things, you know, to fire people up. But I don't. Half the time, burn stuff in trash a, playbooks. And and yeah, hands. they don't. But they don't believe it. You know, Sam Pittman's a perfect example of that. And I, this is going to prove out. I just know it is. Like Arkansas, is so convinced he's a fucking wonder kid. But he's, <laughs> it, you know, I have saw a couple speeches he's given. T- it's all horseshit. It's all. It's he's trying to convince himself as much as he's trying to convince those kids. And I don't feel that an ounce of that from Drinkwitz. Drinkwitz could be wrong. He might shit the bed, hot dog water style, everywhere. Hot dog water, but. Oh. It won't be for lack of belief, self-belief. You know what I mean? He's not bullshitting those kids. He truly believes that he's got the answers.
0: Uh, Colin, I, you know, I just want to th- throw sort of the devil's advocate side at you because I want to hear what you have to say about this because the people who have Mizzou picked to beat Arkansas this year and the people who think Stan Pittman's got this trained on the tracks, will say that the only reason Mizzou won last year on a last-second field goal is that half of Arkansas's team was injured and that they've got a lot of young talent who really showed themselves last year, and they did a lot better than people expected, and this year's crop of athletes, they're going to make some waves in the SEC, even in the SEC West. How say you?
1: Well, Brennan, um, I want you to use the machine that does the drops to put an extended fart noise in after that statement. (laughs) Uh, because uh, that's all horseshit. Uh, I mean, Arkansas won three fucking games. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're right. We won on a last-second field goal. We still won. And, you know, what? we were dealing with injuries, too. You know, we also lost our best defensive player when they threw some fucking pipsqueak wide receiver out there, and Nick Bolton hit him so hard, his fucking skeleton will be forever changed. But the truth of the matter was, it was a legal hit. And <laughs> we lost our best defensive player in that game. And so, you know, they can say what they want. I don't give a shit. The proof will be in the pudding. And the pudding so far has been Mizzou stops mud holes in Arkansas and walks them dry. And until Sam Pittman changes that, that's the fucking wine I'm going to go with.
0: Well, that's right. We have had five straight victories, and I really do. My goal. I, I love as a Mizzou fan. I don't think we're going to win a national championship in the next five years, but I do think that there's a good possibility that we could make it a, a solid decade of beating Arkansas.
1: Well, and I, I don't know what a record it now is against Tennessee, five and three or whatever, something like that. But you know, I to me, SEC champions is a. It's a. That's a. That's a big goal. I mean, I hope it happens, but I'm not going to bank. I'm not going to bet on it. You know what I mean? I'm not going to put any substantial money on that. Um, but I do think you know a, a, a bar that is easy to reach. I mean, not easy to reach, but obtainable, is for Mizzou to own Arkansas and Tennessee for the next five years. Mm, yeah. And uh, you know, if Finkowitz does that, that's a that's a step in the right direction. And you know, I do. I think SEC East titles are certainly doable. You know, I mean, I. Again you've you've got the daunting programs of Georgia and Florida to, to contend with. But I feel like just like in the big twelve days, you know, Missouri was one of those programs that was always lurking. Uh, they were that second tier lurking team, you know, that was you know, you got your Texases, you got your Oklahoma's, and then you've got that sort of second tier. You know, Kansas State jumps up once in a while and bites somebody and Missouri jumps up and bites somebody. We're lurkers. That's, what I, that's right, we're lurkers. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna be in that tier. Uh, with, we were going to be in that tier with Pinkel because Pinkel was going to recruit well enough and coach well enough to keep us competitive. And I think that's what we've got with Drinkowitz more so than especially with Barry Odom is that we're going to be that team that we got a good coach. And if he can get the right recruits, there's going to be a couple of years where he can jump up and bite somebody and maybe win this, win this, uh, this uh, side of the division again. And so, you know, that's, that's definitely an expectation for me, but a much more achievable expectation. An expectation I think we should all have is for us to own Tennessee and own Arkansas.
0: Well, you had said something that Jake Crane, when he we had him on, agreed with, and that you you think there's no question that Florida is already overrated this year, in that they cannot lose the likes of the two Kyles, Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts. They can't lose yeah. those two and stay good. You know, they they well they
1: they can be good,
0: but they can't be better than having yeah. two of the most especially,
1: powerful offensive players. the uh, tied in was just, I mean, he was a guy, just throw it in his general direction, he's the guy who's going to catch it. I mean, he, of all the football games I watched last year, they, there was a wide receiver for Alabama, and that tied in for Florida, were two guys that I watched play that I go, on a college football field full of the best athletes in the country, there's no doubt that they are heads and tails above everybody else. They were just, they were, you didn't have to be an NFL scout to go, Jesus Christ, those guys are going to play in the NFL. Like, they're ready right now. And, you can't lose that caliber of player and, uh, had the same result. It's just impossible. And that's, that's not so much an insult to Florida as it is just, that's any team. And, uh, you know, Bolton is an NFL talent. We're going to have a hard time replacing him, but, as good as uh, Bolton is, he wasn't that good. Um, though, he was NFL good, and you can't, Discount that, but he replaced Kel Garrett, and
0: Kel Garrett was having the best season of his life when he went down with injury. And you know what I mean? This is what college football is one man out, one man in. Oh, out. they were
1: playing side by side, weren't they?
0: Well, I mean, he took the middle linebacker role, and you know, obviously in that defense, they were sometimes only running two linebackers, but Kel Garrett was the, was the quarterback of that defense, and then it became Nick mm-hmm. Bolton. Well, what I was getting at before is that you, you. Obviously, see that Florida is has vulnerabilities. Jay Crane picked him for like number five in the. I I think that's a little crazy, but like he he's not high on Florida. I just think that obviously Georgia is running at full throttle. Everybody else in this unit, you know, like South Carolina, Tennessee, new coaches, new coaches, Arkansas, run by a crazy CBS sitcom dad. You know what I mean? Like Florida, (laughs) Florida is somewhat down. And has another insane person running their program.
1: Like, well, we're talking about Missoubian lurkers. Who between...
0: knows, Colin? Who knows about this season? No,
1: I agree. I agree. But the difference I see in Pittman and Mullins is I've never questioned Mullins' ability to coach. Like, <laughs> he he is a, he's a straight, crazy person. I agree with that.
0: You talk about narratives, and Dan Mullen, the narrative is he's like the world's greatest quarterback whisperer. And that whoever comes up from Florida is just going to be the next Kyle Trask because anytime Dan Mullen touches him with his golden quarterback finger, they become, you know, all American. And I think, well, he is a good coach. He's proven himself to be a good coach. He's also be proven himself to be unstable. And, you know, <laughs> he's now, yeah. you know, the <laughs> Mississippi States coach, who had a good a couple of good years. He's not he's not proven himself at the highest level yet. You know, I feel like people treat him like he's in the Saban <laughs> camp or something. No,
1: you're right. I mean, I don't think of me Saban, but I just look at the way his teams play. And I look at their offenses and I'm just like, they he knows what he's doing. And um, I don't feel that way when I watch Arkansas, you know what I mean? I just feel like there's an appreciation to, to the, to an educated eye who watches enough football will go, I, there's a difference between those two programs and those two coaches, uh, in my opinion. But, no, I agree that that Florida is certainly vulnerable, um, but less vulnerable than than you know, say Arkansas or Georgia. South I mean, Carolina, not, South Carolina. I mean, because I do have more confidence that uh, Dan Mullen knows what he's doing. Um, but but he you are right. I mean, but I I think all of that is it. Just depends on the lens you're looking through. Like I don't think that Florida is the fifth best team in the East. And, in fact, if Florida's roster right now was in Kentucky, they'd all be singing its praises. And which is what they're doing with Kentucky right now. Like, oh, Kentucky, they're probably going to be third, you know. They're going to be third in the East. Or, you know, they're probably going to be ahead of Mizzou. And I'm just like, I guess, uh, if you guys want to feel that way, but I, I promise you right now, if you just fucking man-to-man put Florida up against Kentucky just on, you know, talent, I, I, I guarantee it is just, it's all the perception and the lens you look through it with, you know. And I'm like, I just feel like they're, People are too high on Kentucky, and they're probably – at least Jake Crane is a little too low on, on Florida.
0: Well, I think that prognosticators and the sports media people, they are incapable they, – they have no vision for the future. They only see what happened last year or the last two years maybe. And the last couple of years, Kentucky's put together eight and nine win seasons, and that's really good for Kentucky. So they can only foresee a future where – the same thing happens this year that happened the last couple of years. Well, the reality is Kentucky is a program that won't stay an 8, 9, 10 wins team forever. They will come back down to earth. And I don't you – know, Mark Stoops is like Dan Mullen. I think he's a good coach. He clearly knows what he's doing. But he's not a miracle worker. And getting Kentucky above well, that threshold is a miracle.
1: And I I, I tell you what – and a lot of teams are like this. But I tell you what, if, if anybody will ever – break down and decide they really want to pay Mark Stoops, Kentucky will fall directly into the toilet, never to be heard from again for at least under, you know, 10 years. You know what I mean? They're one of those programs that Mark Stoops is a good coach, and he's got them playing competitive football. But, you know, if he ever leaves them, you know, I feel like the fall-off is going to be quite precipitous.
0: Yeah, well, look at Vanderbilt didn't go to those kind of heights, but they had James Franklin as their coach, and they had some success more than they're ever accustomed to in their, you know, long history in playing SEC football, and then Penn State comes along and needs a new head coach, and James Franklin couldn't run fast enough.
1: It's it's honestly um, a credit to Kentucky's uh, athletic department that they've kept Stoops there, honestly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, clearly he's happy there, but there's always a dollar amount that's higher than your happiness level.
1: Well, I think for Stoops or even Mizzou, if Drinkowicz is what we think he is, there's always going to be that danger you know, of, of a blue-chip program Writing a check, and uh, it's not because it's not just the money. It's that it's Jimbo Fisher. You know what I mean? Like he was at he won a goddamn national championship at Florida State. It's not as like if Florida State is a is is um you know UC Santa Barbara. You know what I mean? Florida State's a pretty you
0: know, yeah. Noter- they the resources. pretty big program.
1: You know, and he still he jumped ship for a And M. You know, so yeah. you know ultimately if you're you're in that Missouri tier, that's the. It's the up and down side. It means your coach had a tremendous amount of success and that we all got to enjoy a lot of good football, but it also means you're probably going to lose that coach. You know, I I don't think people understand how lucky and unusual it was for us to have Pinkle for as long as we did.
0: And I think you and I have talked about this before, you know, Missouri being in that second-tier lurker level from the sec and the big 12 and what gets you there is not having one coach who puts you at a very successful level and win a lot of games and having a lot of winning seasons but you got to have kind of string two coaches or three coaches together and that's how you become sort of a dynasty program and one that people actually give a shit about you in the conference and you know throw your weight around a little bit is when you've done it for two or three coaches in a row. You know, you're going to lose a coach. Either they're going to retire like Pinkle did or somebody's going to snap them away or they're going to have a down spell and they're going to fire him. But at some point, if you can have a good coach and then somehow find another good coach to to sustain it, and then if you get to the third coach and keep sustaining it, then you're a self-sustaining program, I feel like, and you're not so reliant on – Getting the next great coach because great coaches want to come to you.
1: Well, I think that's ultimately what blue chip programs are. It's enough history. It's enough resources that they're only ever a coach away. That's why I, you know, for as bad as Texas is, and as much as I think the SEC is going to get uh, punch a punch a mud hole in them, but they're one they're one good coach away. You know what I mean? It's Texas. It's fertile recruiting ground. It's a it's a program everybody knows about. You know, the cocksuckers will have. Matthew McConaughey showed up to your house in a helicopter if that's what it takes to recruit you. And so, you know, to our to our credit or to basically to our benefit and everyone's benefit in, in and around uh, college football, they've been too stupid to hire a good coach. But <laughs> yes. a, the other, you know, there are other programs like that. And that's like Alabama. You know, before Nick Saban, Alabama had some lean times, but they were still Alabama. And then they got the right coach and now they're Alabama again of that we all sort of come to expect. And there's, that's what the, that's, to me, that's what a blue chip program is. They're always just a heartbeat away from being really good. Whereas I feel like those lurking programs like Mizzou and that second tier, it doesn't just take a good coach. It takes a good coach sort of building a foundation for a few years. You know, Drinkowitz is going to have to, to lay some, some foundation work. Whereas, um, you know, even a, a, a place like Texas A&M with the resources that they have and being in Texas, you know, uh, Jimbo has pretty much hit the ground running with uh, with them more or less. And so um, it's going to take a little longer at some of these smaller programs, but – or small, you know, less programs with less cachet. But it certainly doesn't mean it can't happen. But I think that it goes to what you're saying is, like, you, at these programs, you have to have a lot of sustained success if you want to become that. Um, Because that's what brought those teams to where they are, is to sustain success, multiple national championships, uh, a, a, an expectation level that is seems too high when you're at a program like Mizzou. You know what I mean? And I don't mean that as, in any way denigrating or insulting to Mizzou, but our expectation right now for our program is not to compete for national championships. I wish it was, but it's not a reasonable expectation for us at this time. And uh, But when you talk about teams like Florida, or not Florida necessarily, yeah, maybe, but certainly Alabama and Georgia, and even Texas, uh, and even A and M, based on their history, those teams I think are living in a world where they do have an expectation of national championships, realistic or not. You know, because it's certainly not realistic for Texas right now, but they still have, they can still remember those Vince Young days. It doesn't seem all that far removed.
0: Well, I think one advantage Missouri has over um, another programs they like tennessee is that we realize what tier we sort of sit in right now we know that you know we don't have a national championship in our sights within the next five years probably tennessee thinks that they're that kind of program that you're talking about colin that's only one coach away they think oh no it's just you know we are a elite program and as soon as we just put the right pieces in place we'll be right back there again but 20 years have gone by and the same way that it takes time and time and time to build yourself, to become an elite program, it takes some time to lose that status as well. And I think 20 years is an, is that kind of time and that Tennessee is no longer at a level that it thinks it is and that it once was. Same thing can be said for Nebraska, obviously.
1: I don't know. I mean, Tennessee is not – I don't know if they're you know one coach away, um, but they are a program that certainly has the resources to get something done, But and they, they, they do um, parallel – texas in this they do not have a clue how to hire a coach Um, (laughs) no no they are historically bad at it and i sometimes i wonder if it programs like texas and like tennessee if you've got too much booster involvement you know what i mean a lot of these uh, schools i mean they're bringing in searching firms and you know they're bringing out they're bringing in people who pay attention to this stuff year-round and get paid to do so to help them choose a coach, and sometimes I feel like those big blue-chip programs with those gigantic boosters with super deep pockets, sometimes those individuals have a little too much say over what's you know, who should be hired. I think that's why you see that coaching key party in the, in the SEC, and sometimes it's, they only ever hire somebody who's a fucking retread.
0: Tennessee I, was not I, listening to anybody with any sense, especially no, that's what I'm year.
1: saying. Like Literally, they you know they, they 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 let Clay Travis and a, and, a, and his minions sort of have their way with them for, at one point. You know what I mean like you can't have a you can't have a Twitter personality making decisions for your program. You know that's ridiculous. Especially yeah. if you want to be pretend that you're some sort of blue chip program that has uh is just one coach away and is this this national championship contender just just lurking on the uh, behind all oh, we're ready anytime we're gonna win that national championship just you wait and see. It's like I'm gonna tell you what Alabama's not doing. They're not letting some idiot fucking talk jock making decisions for their program it's maddening and and what's even more maddening is Tennessee's delusion of who they are and what they are I mean they, they hired Hypel. and Heupel's the best hire they've made since we've been in the conference and I don't think Heupel's going to do the job but he's still the best they've done so far
0: no I mean when you, t-
1: when you look at Butch Jones and Pruitt or whatever his name was I mean I'll take Heupel over both of those guys but Heupel I don't think Heupel's going to take him any sustained success
0: well speaking of tennessee Colin, i did want to circle back to our new athletic director because she worked as a deputy athletic director at tennessee for a while and one of the things that's been reported is that she had some role in the hiring of Conzo martin at tennessee and i mean i don't know what how that element of the story plays into her being konzo martin's boss right now but it's clearly a different situation obviously she came in didn't hire him here and that his uh Honeymoon period has clearly worn off at Mizzou, so you know I don't know. Maybe maybe she was brought into closed loop. She hired him one place, she'll fire him at another. I don't know, but uh, but they have they know each other is the bottom line.
1: Yeah, you know, we'll we'll find out. I mean, I I really feel like Hanzo Martin is. Uh, I mean, this season's a make it or break it kind of deal for him. But I don't know. Like I said, if you want to believe some of the talking heads, they they're starting to really like what he's doing in the off season. So. You know, I hope they're right. God, I, you know, I feel like because we've been hard on Conzo because he's been well, basically unsuccessful, um, that people think we hate Conzo. I nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing would make me happier than eat a giant plate of crow, and for us to, you know, go to a Final Four with Conzo Martin at the helm, that would I, no one would be happier about it than me. But I just, um, it's it's not something I'd bet on.
0: Well, and Conzo Martin, unlike say like Barry Odom. <laughs> he, He is a presence, you know what I mean? Like, Konzo, he gives the impression of a guy who knows what he's doing and what he's trying to do. Now, we haven't seen the results to bear that out to this point, but he's not like a guy who, you know you hire and you just kind of are constantly questioning or don't know if he knows where he's going or what he's doing. Kim Anderson, I, I, there were times it's like, I wonder if he still knows which locker room we go to at halftime. Like, is he even, no, you're Garrett? right. I
1: don't look at, I don't look at Conzo Martin and say, man, what a dummy. Yeah. I just, I just think, I think he's mediocre. And I think mediocre is all you're ever going to get from Conzo because Conzo's mediocre, but mediocre is not bad either, but it's also not no. good. It's just <laughs> mediocre. And I think that's what Conzo is. And that's, and I, like I said, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he, he's really good, and I, hope he, I hope he shoves it in my face. But I don't think he's going to. <laughs> well,
0: much like we talked about with Tennessee having lost so long, you know, basically 20 years, an entire college student's life, um, it, I feel like in a way Mizzou basketball is in a similar situation where it is getting to the point now where it's been so long – that since we were good on a sustained level that a lot of fans just forget that and have low expectations anyway. Like if Konzo Martin had strung together a win or two in the NCAA tournament anytime in the last four years, I don't think we'd be even having this conversation. I think we'd be saying how great we are and what a great upward trajectory we're on. One or two wins would have made that difference really, you know, because so many fans have such low expectations, but yet, here we are, where it's not too defensible after another year of this.
1: Mizzou should be going to the NCAA tournament every year. I that's mean, a reasonable that's
0: expectation. Um, 64 you know, teams get in, 68 teams, I yeah, guess.
1: That's, yeah, that's, that means you're in the top basically 70 teams in the country every year. And when you put it like that, it doesn't seem like it should be that big a bridge to cost. Just be in the top 70. Can you do that for us?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, yeah. and uh, yeah, and it does of considering, course. Considering, like, honest. despite Rock and Nation, have you believe they do have the resources to be in the top seventy? You know, yeah, so true. I feel like I'm pretty confident. So that's my expectation, and it, that that's a pretty low expectation to have at this point. And but but I mean, I think that's what for guys who are as old as you and I, Bryn, and that's what you became to learn to expect with Norm Stewart, and and then even. Um, Quinn Snyder. Oh, uh, Quinn Snyder. After him, you know. What I mean, like, Mizzou's a good enough program. At that, at that point, in our lives disappointment came in the tournament. But you know, but we were in the tournament. You know, but it came. You know, once we were in, the disappointments always piled up. But you know, now I just feel like every year the, the conversation throughout the years is, is Mizzou going to make the tournament? Not what are we going to do in the tournament? And that's really what the difference is. Is there was a time when we thought. The conversation was, what are we going to do in the tournament? And now that conversation over the past almost two decades has become, are we going to make the tournament? Are we going to yeah. be in the top 70 fucking teams in the country? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and if you want to believe that giving the towel boy a raise or buying some new Spalding basketballs for the practice, gym <laughs> is the difference, yeah. fine. You yeah. can believe that. I don't think we're ever going to see eye to eye, but I think maybe, maybe, you can start to look at the head coach after five years.
1: Yeah. Well, Brendan, I don't know. You, you have to you have to talk to the guys over at Rock M Nation about that. But
0: um, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to beat uh, that dead you know, horse too much. But
1: I don't. Yeah. I know it's just such a ridiculous p- position to take, and it's it's hard not to just kind of every time we talk about basketball, not to. Well, again, it's hard not to talk about it because Rock M Nation has given Conzo um, homers a talking point. You know, they've given them. Oh, the this narrative. is the narrative. This is this is our talk. This is this is the argument because because honestly, most of those folks didn't have a great one until Rockem gave them one, and it's not a great one now. Rockem Nation's argument is utter and perpetual horseshit, but it's <laughs> but it's it's something that they can wrap their hands around. So, um, you know, I'm I'm gonna you know, like I said, not to beat the dead horse, but I'm gonna die on this hill. The head coach is more important to the program than almost just about anything else.
0: But well, again, I'll say it, it's a bold take. <laughs> you think? We, we have the new AD, and I think the interesting thing to me in this whole search process, Colin, was that it was kept pretty quiet. I didn't hear a lot of rumors floating around. I mean, rumors were around, but they were crazy and unsubstantiated. Yeah, everybody always says John Sunbold. It was relatively quiet, and it was made swiftly, which I think is, is good, regardless of who was hired and, and how. I'm glad it was done quickly because we are at a time where we need somebody in the room with some authority whenever big decisions are being made about where to put the assholes Texas. And people are forgetting what pieces of shit Oklahoma is, too. Texas is catching all the grief for this, and I understand why, because they're the fucking worst. Basically, anybody who has a big T on the side of their helmet, they're terrible. But Oklahoma sucks, too. And we hated Oklahoma for a very long fucking time. And I'm happy to have a reason to fucking hate them again. So they're going to make things worse.
1: I think uh, most Mizzou fans, at least from the big 12 days, would say Oklahoma's definitely a rival. Now, Oklahoma may... uh,
0: Well, yeah, they beat uh, us like 50 times in a row, but...
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, they're not... Rivalry maybe isn't the right word, but Oklahoma was that um, guy sitting on top of the hill for a long time. And as Mizzou fans growing up, you know, Oklahoma was that person you were taking swings at. And, and, uh, it's going to be fun to get back to taking swings at Oklahoma. Per- I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I don't give a fuck about Texas, but I am looking forward to Oklahoma being in the, in the league. Honestly, I'm ready, well, I'm ready to go out of Oklahoma. And, and like I said, maybe we'll lose 50 times in a row again, but I fuck it. I like, I like being little brother. I like being the underdog. I like going at it. And, uh, There's a lot of history there, and that's one thing that bringing Texas and Oklahoma into the league with Missouri brings back is some history. We're going to get Oklahoma, A&M's going to get Texas back, Arkansas's going to get Texas back. You know, there was a time when Texas and Arkansas were quote-unquote rivals, even though Texas fucking perpetually owned them. Um, But it's going to bring some back some rivalries, because, you know, before uh, Arkansas was in uh, the SEC in 93, they were in the whatever the Southeastern, whatever it was, the I don't even remember what it was called anymore. It's been too long ago. But they were, you know, Texas and Arkansas were in the same conference, and those guys have some bad blood. And so, yeah, Southwest um, Conference. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to watch them um, try to kill each other again.
0: I I think any Mizzou fan of a certain age remembers going to Mizzou games when Oklahoma came to town and what shitheads Oklahoma fans were and how they'd oh yeah they'd get they hit you were, for their money. Yeah, they're miserable, miserable to be around, and they'll be miserable the to be around again.
1: Yeah, one thing I'll say about Oklahoma fans is they actually had a reason to be miserable pricks. You know, their team is consistently good. Oklahoma is one of the one of those rare programs that has, actually has been competitive for national champions for like four straight decades. You know, while yeah. while teams like Tennessee pretend that that you know because they won a national championship a long, long time ago that they're forever in contention. I mean, Oklahoma is a program that has pretty much perennially for you know 40 or 50 years been a team that you're going to that's going to sneak up and win a national championship and there're not that many programs that have done that i mean i i hate to give oklahoma any credit but they are a storied program they have yeah. earned every they have, at least unlike tennessee they have earned the right to be ignorant bastards
0: chesty yeah <laughs> Really, what people are really interested in, or what will really benefit us long term, is how much money is this going to drag into our program? Because these are two programs that have a big national audience and not just local state audience. Like we bring municipalities in, there's Texas fans everywhere. And goddamn, Mizzou's run in the red in our athletic department for the last four years. A big cash infusion sounds pretty fucking good and a good recipe for dominance not just maybe not over our SEC brethren but there's a lot of teams like Oklahoma State and Kansas State and Iowa State they're not going to have a home and they are going to dwindle from the college fo- college athletics landscape and we don't have to worry about that we may get beat by a lot of SEC teams but there's a lot of other teams that are going to wither on the bind because they don't have a home
1: well i'll tell you something i'm convinced of is that is this is not going to take till 2025 there's no fucking way and one number I am curious about is what what is Texas and Oklahoma going to have to pay to get out early? Because you know they're the Big Twelve doesn't want them. They don't want a lame duck for the next fucking two or three years. Five and, uh, years. Yeah, four five years. years, years I yeah, you're right. For, yeah. Anyway, the point is, is that we know it's not going to take that long. Just like with Mizzou and A and M or anybody else that's ever done conference realignment and. But it is going to cost big bucks because they are contractually ovulate, you know, tied to those to the Big 12 for a while. So it's going to take some big bucks. And I, if if you're Kansas State or Iowa State or any of those Baylor, any of those teams you're thinking about that are that are going to be left out in the cold, they better get all they can while they can. So I, you know, I I'm sure they're not going to make it cheap on Texas.
0: No, and you're totally right. I mean, Jake Crane was saying that uh, 2023 kept being a number that he'd heard bandied about, and I don't know where he's getting that from, but it does make more sense because God, can you imagine being in year four of basically being broke up with your conference, but still having to date on? Um,
1: if I, Brendan, I had to put money on a year that they'll be in the big, be on our schedule, and in the SEC. My bet would be next year. That would be I, my I bet. I can see that.
0: That's up to the lawyers I, to decide. But I bet you're. No, but I'm, that. I'm
1: guessing Texas has got deep pockets. They're going to pay whatever it takes. I wouldn't be surprised if they pay part of Oklahoma's tab <laughs> to get it done. I mean, that, that's they'll they'll make it happen. And I'm I'm guessing we're going to be a 16 team uh, conference c- come next year.
0: Okay. Well, you heard it here first, <laughs>
1: Colin. <laughs> yeah
0: we are coming up quickly on football season it's it's just around been in september it's in the middle of august right now and so uh just i guess before we wrap this up i want to reiterate that we are going to plan the blowout tailgate of the century at the mizzou tennessee game october 2nd be at the end lot look for the cast banner be a part of the party we are going to be there as long as possible. I don't know when game time's going to be, but we're going to. Uh, it's going to be a, a. I don't know. It's going to be like Sodom and Gomorrah.
1: Hey, Brennan, how long did? How long do you think? How much do you think it takes to have to like get two strippers for say four hours?
0: Well, Colin, that depends a lot on the quality of the stripper.
1: Well, listen, I'm uh I'm I'm pretty fond of uh, our, our fan base. I want them. I want quality, and so uh, I don't know. We'll look into that.
0: The more quality you want, Colin, the the less time we'll have them. Is my guess.
1: <laughs> that's right. Hey, maybe we'll put a poll out on the the Twitter. Like, would you rather have chunky middle of the road strippers for four hours or smoking hot strippers for one hour?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh. These are the kind of decisions we're trying to make to get this tailgate going. And, yeah, that uh, tells you anything about yeah. our tailgate. <laughs> yeah, we're we're still thinking up ways to make it more and more fun but we just basically want to have a lot of people there and we want to you know be able to raise a beer with our uh, fellow Mizzou Mizzou fans and especially get drunk and make some bad decisions (laughs) that's right so anyway on that note Colin I think I'm ready to sign off we put our hour in on green room for this episode of the Mizzou cast M-I-Z Z-O-U I got the ecstasy
1: Eli Drink, which is a guy who would be a tornado on methamphetamines.